Welcome to VB Engage episode 20. Yes, episode 20. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat. And as usual, I am joined by the marketing technology genius, the author of Digital Sense, no less. It is Travis Wright. Travis, how on earth are you doing today, sir? I am literally in awe, Stuart, that we have been able to get to episode 20 without killing each other. We have come close to killing each other a couple of times. I mean, let's be fair. I don't know how close. I guess I'm maybe underestimating the closeness of that. There was this one time when I seriously, seriously felt like a, a pillow being pushed down on top of my head. It was either a bad dream or it was you. It was. You were really upset that I forgot to record that one podcast. And uh... Travis, there's been so many technical issues on here. I think... <laughs> I think by glossing over it and yes. telling our audience, our lovely, lovely audience, that there uh, was been maybe one episode that you missed, that's that's really under-egging the whole problem. We've, but we've fought through it. <laughs> We're 20 episodes deep. 20 large. up in here. So this is the Venti episode. Right. Yes. We started out tall, we went grande, and now we're in the Venti episode. Yes, this is XX if we're Roman numeraling it up. <laughs> I always like to Roman numeral it up. That's not easy to say. You should try saying that 10 times. I don't want um, to. We hey, can do it 20 times, though, because this is episode 20. So what's in the news today, Mr. Stewart? Well, what's in the news today? We've got a great guest today, haven't we? Um, we've got Mark Organ coming up later of Influitive. He's going to be talking with us about all sorts of influencer marketing. First... I see that Facebook made a fairly significant announcement. They started out with a significant announcement on Monday, and then they followed it up with yet another great announcement. It's all to do with taking payments, which ties in really nicely with our guest last week, which was Alan Fallis of uh, YoYo Wallet. Um, it's about taking payments within uh, Messenger bots, right? They've done something really interesting here, right? First of all, they're going to be tying up with a whole bunch of partners. Could be doing it in uh, in the US first, of course, like everyone does. They'll probably roll it out elsewhere. Uh, I remember when we had that episode where we said, oh, look, they've done a European launch. And by European, they meant Spain. That's Europe, right? Yeah. It's a tiny, tiny <laughs> piece of it. It's so small it could fit on Donald Trump's hands. They're going to roll it out US first. They'll roll it out elsewhere. But... Something really interesting. Why don't you tell everybody what they said a couple of days later? Yeah, so Facebook's had a product over there for messaging, uh, Stan Chudnovsky. He actually had mentioned that Facebook will never take money from businesses or merchants that are using this new ability to pay for products and services inside Messenger bots. So they're not going to take any money. So when it comes down to merchants' platforms... They're going to have to find a way to adhere to the rules of the platform that they're on, but they intend to take zero dollars from that. That's immense, right? I mean, yes, the partners that they work with will take whatever they're going to take, right, or, or charge whatever they're going to charge, but Facebook are taking nothing on top of that. That's huge. It's just another way to weave people inside the ever-increasing web of the Facebooks, right? This is pretty similar to the way that they managed to get so many businesses to set up business pages on Facebook, right? They opened the floodgates and they said, come on in and we will just make it super easy for you. And at the time, you know, when you had a business page, when they first came out and you put out status updates as a business, everybody saw them, right? It was huge. And the amount was, of organic reach you had back in the day was just unbelievable. So then yeah. as they slowly started pulling that away, people started getting so irate. Well, obviously... Facebook wants to earn money and revenue, so they wanted those business pages to 
spend more money on advertising, which that's one of the things that, that I spend a lot of time doing is helping clients with, with Facebook ads and Instagram ads, right? So it's a it's a it's a great ecosystem and it's they're pulling that, in quite a bit that, of cash from that. that. So it's interesting that they're not going to do anything in Messenger. That initial floodgate open that got everybody to put their business pages on. Yeah, I mean obviously they then pulled back the organic reach, right? And they kept on pulling it back and pulling it back to make that money. But that initial thing of just like opening up the floodgates making it really attractive to everybody that got everyone on the platform and this is what i'm seeing happen inside facebook messenger they are making it super easy for you to create a bot there's lots of tools out there to help you create a bot they're letting everyone in and now they're allowing you to do payments within those bots and they're not going to charge you a dime for it this smacks of exactly the same strategy that they put in place to get all the businesses to come into facebook in the first place it's almost like here sample our crack cocaine we're going to give it to you for free <laughs> but then you're going to really want it and you'll pay for it later because it's crack cocaine <laughs> <laughs> yes listeners we we just uh, we just made a crack cocaine metaphor to Facebook um, I don't know how well that's going to go down but we're going to leave it in it's kind of interesting you know we, we're, we're not going to see this big picture yet right but you know when you think about just how many small businesses have Facebook pages how many can really benefit from building a bot how easy it is to build a bot you know I'm waiting for the gate to start closing, right? I'm waiting for, for what is Facebook going to do to start slowly peeling this back, taking a bit back, taking a bit back. You know, I've got various theories. I don't know how you feel, Travis, but, you know, one of the things that's still missing for me is a really good discovery system that tells you which bots to download. And I feel like that might be where they go in order to, to make the money, right? So you'll, you'll have to well, advertise. Sure, because I mean, we've we discussed a couple of those bot directories um, from that one infographic. Didn't John Coutier create that? Right. Yeah, so that was great. So there are some directories out there, but for some people, it's still not intuitive for, you know, how to actually connect and to follow some of these bots. Like I've asked people, you know, I say, hey, how would you get a bot on Facebook Messenger? And they look at you like a deer in headlights because they have no clue. And so even though it is easy to create one and, and Facebook's making it simple, there's still just a huge mass of people who have no clue. Talking of advertising, talking of Facebook, another Facebook property, Instagram has made some changes. It's making its ads much more visible and it's making them much more interactive. So what's going to happen going forward is when you look at an Instagram ad for at least four seconds or if you tap on the name of the profile uh, of the of the company that placed the ad or the individual that placed the ad, you're going to get a really bright blue call to action slide up at the bottom uh, that'll say something like learn more for you to tap, right? So that's making ads really obvious inside Instagram after four seconds or after you click on the, the profile name. Yeah. But that's not the biggest change. The biggest change is that if it's a video link ad, when somebody unmutes the video to listen to the, the audio because, of course, as we know, when videos play inside Instagram, they play silently to begin with, right? Um, if you unmute it or whenever you uh, go and do that action, it's going to take you actually to a landing page. And the landing page is going to have the video at the top um, and it's going to play the audio for you. And then underneath is going to be the rest of the landing page so that you can get rich information and you can get a lot more behind the scenes of what you clicked on. And that's a huge change for Instagram. I think it's quite engaging. I mean, what do you think? It should be interesting to see how it plays out because before Instagram ads, they weren't really in your face as much, right? I think 
some people might might get a little bit more of a burnout on the ads because you know obviously Facebook owns it. They're really pushing these ads out there, and they make it very very simple. I mean, if you get into the you know the advertising uh, component to Facebook, get in Power Editor and and uh, edit and create an ad. Basically, if you just set up an ad for Facebook and you're using the right dimensions of an image and whatnot, then you can literally just click and add this to Instagram ads as well to the same targeted audience. Whatever call to action that you choose on your Facebook ad campaign or for that ad set or for those particular ads, those are going to be the exact same one that populates in Instagram. So, you know, it is just an extension of Facebook. They've done a really good job of getting people to connect their Instagram account to their Facebook account. That way you can follow your friends and whatnot. But also, all the targeted interests that you have on Facebook, all of the things that you've expressed interest in, all your demographic information, that is then transferred over to Instagram. That way they can showcase more relevant ads to you. And I do think the video link thing is pretty interesting to unmute the video. It takes you to a URL. That's one thing that a lot of the different ads on Instagram before. Instagram has been very bad about adding a link and trying to click and go to a link from someplace inside Instagram. That's never really been intuitive. That's never really been useful. Uh, but now with uh, the new ad platforms and the new formats, it looks like that's going to be a lot easier to, to navigate. So that could be a pretty good move. I think the more people who click on Instagram ads, you know, even if they're like, oh, click here, oh, they're looking at the profile, click, and it opens up the ad, well, then, you know what, Facebook can charge more, Instagram can charge more for that, so. And if there's anyone from Instagram listening, you know, I'm sure you've read my articles, my analysis. I did a, I did some analysis of uh, when they massively increased the cadence of the ads. There was a point where you went, like, 20 minutes before you saw an ad, and then overnight, absolutely guaranteed, I remember it, September 27th, 2015, there was a very bitter taste left in my mouth and many, many other people's mouths. Because all of a sudden, you were seeing an ad every five images, maybe every ten at most. Huge change, right? Really jarring change. And so I did a, a consumer survey. I measured thousands of people who uh, were using Instagram and found that the biggest fans of Instagram hated the ad cadence increase. Uh, more than 50% of their biggest fans hated it. Um, it made a really big difference. And they did see you know, a big drop-off uh, in some other analysis that we, we had um, in engagement. And I think they've figured that out. I think they've balanced it. If anyone from Instagram is listening, I really love Instagram as a, as a social platform. I am a big fan. I'm a big proponent of it. You know, I wanted to get into why the ad increase was so huge. But these new ads... They look really good to me. They look really engaging. I don't see anywhere near as many ads in Instagram as I used to. I think they've got the balance right. And I just hope it's working out for them. And that, you know, everything you've said in terms of tying into Facebook, uh, making it nice and easy for businesses, yeah. I love all of that. I think that they're doing some really smart stuff. Of course, Instagram is, um, is a big home for lots and lots and lots of influencers. You know, there's a lot of influencers who use Instagram. You know, influencers are really interesting to me. Whether we're talking about in company influences, you know, uh, having staff actually advocate for your business, um, or whether we're talking about traditional influences and celebrities getting involved in, in pushing products. We can't ignore the news this week that a, a watchdog group has said that the uh, Kardashians are being illegally paid for Instagram posts because they're not marking them as advertisements when they actually are advertisements. So they're potentially violating federal laws on uh, social media endorsements. And this is a problem with influencer marketing in general, right? 
I ask this question as a journalist whenever I'm reporting on any influencer platform. What do you do as an influencer platform to make sure your influencers stick by the FTC's rules in the United States and all of the other rules and regulations that exist in other countries, you know, depending on which country the influencers are in, they've got to they've got to stick to those rules. They've got to disclose if it's an ad or if it's sponsored. You know, what are these platforms doing to you know make people stick to these rules in the same way that you know email discovery platforms aren't telling people about can spam or Casel or right. it's got to be down to these platforms to fix this problem and tell these people mm-hmm. you must do this properly because otherwise. You're going to get big stars and small influencers who are going to get slammed with huge fines. There is a fine line there. For example, this past week, I was at Ford Motor Company. They didn't pay me any money. They flew me there to come see their event, right? And I got to test drive some cars. And I was on an amazing racetrack with you know drivers from Top Gear driving yeah. 100, 100 mile an hour around this. I mean, it was insane. Was this the, was this the self-driving car one as well? Well, they had the self-driving car there as well. Uh, the people who were there invited from social, the social influencers, actually didn't get to drive the uh, the self-driving car or, or sit in the self-driving car, which was interesting. But yeah, so the, it, that was one of the things that was there. So, as an influencer who is going to this event, even though they're not getting paid, are they? Do they have to disclose? I mean, I said, you know, Ford flew me here to do this. I'm not getting paid. I went to China with Huawei. They flew me there, but they didn't pay me any money, right? So. There's still some level of disclosure that needs to happen, but I mean, a lot of these really interesting companies are wanting people who are somewhat influencer, uh, influential to come in, see what's going on, get a, a gist of their culture, their organization, the products that they're putting out. Maybe they'll provide some products or whatnot. And actually, that's one of the things that I actually pushed when I was there for Huawei was to actually get some devices that we could give out to our VB Engaged listeners. Full disclosure, hashtag ad. We will be giving away a Huawei P9 over the next yes. co- coming week. So we're, we're putting together a contest on that, so stay tuned. That, uh, the hashtag, camera on that phone uh, is literally unbelievable. I think it's hashtag competition, uh, not hashtag ad in that particular case. Now, you, you've done the right thing, I mean, by telling people exactly what's going on. And that's what we have to do as journalists, right? If, you know, if you look at uh, any of the, the articles um, that, say, Dean Takahashi has written for GamesBeat, for example, you know, you'll see it right there. It'll say... Such and such a company provided us with a copy of this game for free, but just so that you know yeah. that we got that game for free, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do I was that. Really trying it's to work, kind of implied. I got right? something with Tesla so they can give me a car for free. So, I mean, if anybody from Tesla is listening, <laughs> I would be willing to drive around a Model S or three or whichever one's good. As long as they put a wrap on it, it's got a massive disclosure all the way around. <laughs> yeah. um, but what's different with this, uh, with this Kardashian situation and a lot of celebrities and a lot of big influences is that they are um, actually putting out something that looks like it's not even an endorsement. It's like, Oh, I use this because it, you know, is great for my face and not disclosing that actually they've been paid to say that, right? And that's the issue. Yeah, you have some of them are pay. getting paid lots and lots of money. Lots. Like, you know, one uh, Instagram tweet, in some cases, they're five, ten grand or more, you know? Yeah, Crazy. and in the case of, you know, the Kardashians, probably an awful lot more than that. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's something that I think that influencers, celebrities, and anyone in a position where they, they can get these kind of offers, and, and all power to them, you know, everyone's got to make money. If that's that's how you make money. I have no issue with that whatsoever. I'm a raging capitalist. Um, but when it comes to 
disclosing. You have to know the rules. And I think it's down to the platforms to actually say to people, hey, here are the rules and we have to make you read them. We have to know that you've read them. We've got to test you understand them. And then you can become an influencer on our platform. Yeah. And, and I think that's got to happen in all the platforms. And if that's, you know, I think the FTC and other organizations just really go after, after the platform holders and say, you've got to put this in your software. We'll include these in the show notes, the actual rules from the FTC, what they're talking about. So we, we, we include those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, let's talk a Speaking lot more of about influencer market, right? Yeah. yeah. We've got an amazing guest coming, so let's get into it. Hey, Travis, we can't do VV Engage without support from our sponsors. And support from this podcast comes from MailChimp. More than 12 million people use MailChimp to communicate with their customers and promote their businesses. When you connect your e-commerce store with a MailChimp account, you can create targeted campaigns, send abandoned cart messaging, and recommend products your customers will love. And when your customers are happy, they spend more money. And when they spend more money, you make more money. And when you make more money, well, you know, you get it. MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff. Find out more at MailChimp.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat for us today. The CEO and founder of Influitive. It is a customer and employee advocacy platform. Uh, he is also was also the founder of Eloqua, which was acquired by Oracle. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage today, the virtual ah. podcast stage, Mr. Moss ah. Organ. Very happy to be here. Thanks. Excellent. Mark, it's, it's awesome to have you on uh, on our podcast, our little lowly podcast. Um, thanks so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. That's great. What I hear, it's not that lonely. We got a lot of listeners. <laughs> hey, we're doing okay. You know, there's there's actually uh, you know sometimes ten, maybe fifteen people listening to this at any one time. It's uh, it's nice. Um, a handful, <laughs> maybe almost two handfuls. Yeah, I might have to start counting on my toes as well as my fingers. <laughs> soon, which is cool. <laughs> Um, hey, Mark, you know, we're, we're actually out here. Uh, I'm out here in a minute at San Francisco. So I'm doing this at uh, you know, seven o'clock in the morning for me out here. Uh, I'm recording this. Normally, I'm sat uh, in my beautiful home office in the uh, lovely little town of Tunbridge. But the reason I'm here in San Francisco is because we've got mobile beat here. And we're talking about um, artificial intelligence. We're talking about chatbots, conversational UI and commerce within that sense. You know, just uh, there's been a lot of amazing stuff we've been we've been seeing over the last day. We've got another day of it ahead. But uh, you know, when I think about what's going on, it's really just all centered around the smartphone. And you know, I love what you're doing with customer advocacy and basically just getting people to buy through the trust of their peers. But you know, at the same time, everyone's on their smartphone all the time. They're quite. Uh, sort of blindfolded and blinkered and they're looking at their smartphones all the time. How do we do you know, advocacy marketing in a, in a smartphone world? I think there's such an intersection between the idea of advocate marketing and, and smartphones because advocates are carrying them around with them everywhere they go. In fact, uh, quite a lot of advocacy that is done on our platform is done on the smartphone. For example, one of our real all-star customers is Ecobee that uh, they make a uh, a smart thermostat. We have all kinds of videos where people shoot um, themselves doing you know, really great things with their thermostat and showing how well it works and showing little videos of themselves, writing little stories, that sort of thing. I mean, the, the idea is that people have an impulse to advocate when they are in a moment of delight, right? And that's often when they're out and about doing things. So the, the smartphone allows us to capture that moment so that might be shared. 
I think the other thing too is that you know people often will advocate when they have a few minutes free. Really, our application is almost an alternative to Angry Birds or Twitter or Pokemon Go or whatever else people are doing out on their, their smartphone. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, I've got five minutes in waiting for the subway train, and I really, uh, really love what this company or product is doing for me. I'm going to have a chance to advocate for it right now. You know, smartphones and advocacy really are two things that are made for each other. Yeah, that's great. And actually, you know, word of mouth, you know, for the longest time has been one of the primary factors behind, you know, purchasing decisions for a lot of people. And, you know, because most people now are blocking ads, right? So they don't, yeah. they don't care about ads. And, you know, we're always on the mobile device and people don't trust typically the brand. They don't trust the CEO. They trust employees and advocates of your brand. So knowing that, that that's so important, how do you actually build, if you are a business today and you're trying to grow advocates for your brand and these raving fans, how do you identify and surface these raving fans and then how do you nurture them? You really made my my pitch for me. That's exactly right. I mean, people increasingly are very distrustful of, I mean, not just sales reps, but um, really anything that comes from a company. They want to hear from their peers. Um, actually, one of the most interesting pieces of data I've seen in the last couple of years is that people increasingly aren't trusting experts anymore either, like they used to. It's a big change. Uh, and I think now, because of the availability of connections on the smartphone, they have access to such a breadth and depth of data from their peers that that is actually more trustworthy than people who hung out the shingle before as, as being experts. So that is, that is exactly right. What people really want to list, hear from is they do want to hear from people just like them. They don't want to hear from necessarily from, um, from experts. They want to hear from people who have the same situation that they have, same use case, same demographic, if, if, it's, a, if it's a business, uh, same type of company. Our customers, they identify advocates in a number of ways. I mean, one of them is through surveys, asking the net promoter question, how likely are you to refer? Uh, asking that by, by email or directly in an application itself is one way to surface people. Um, there are a number of people who already do advocate. So most companies already know about the people who might tweet about them or who have been available for references or referrals before. Uh, a number of our customers do a great job of surveying their own sales reps and, and service people and say, who's generating a lot of value these days? There's also app automated applications for that. You know, we use a, a number of customer success automation services like, like Gainsight that are able to surface those uh, customers that are really happy. I mean, those that have just had a great service experience or product experience. Uh, those are great people to be hit up, say, hey, would you like to join our VIP program? Uh, and we'd like to do more for you. That's one of the big changes I think that we're introducing into the marketplace as opposed to asking customers, hey, would you be willing to, to do a, a press release with us? Um, or, or would you be willing to serve as a reference? Instead of doing that, to be able to say, would you like to join our VIP program? We'd like to introduce you to more people inside our company. We'd like to introduce you to more advocates. We'd like to find out how we can do better. Oh, and by the way, if you could help us grow our business in the meantime by advocating, then we really appreciate that. And that's driving a lot more advocacy than what companies have typically experienced. Oh, that's great. And what does a VIP program look like typically for a successful customer advocacy program? Our incarnation, which is not the only the only approach. I mean, is a portal that lives that lives both on the web and on and on mobile. 
um, that provides a number of different opportunities for people to advocate. In terms of the, the user experience, it looks kind of like a Pinterest board. It looks a bunch of tiles that have different opportunities and things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, hey, would, are you interested in speaking on stage with us? So do you want to get famous? We can help you write a blog post um, to get your name out there. Would you like to meet one of these fine people here who are interested in buying our product? Are any of these people interesting for you? These are the types of activities that are available. Um, what we've learned over almost our six years of existence is that if you just ask people for things, it doesn't work all that well. Um, and you need to do other things to really provide that VIP experience. We also have what we call educational challenges, so opportunities that let the advocate learn more about the product and service, um, to go deeper into the product and service. That also has the advantage of increasing uh, loyalty because when somebody uses an application in greater depth, they're much more likely to stick around. And, and the other thing we found out is randomness and fun. So we asked all kinds of kooky questions like, you know, who do you think is the next person to drop out of the presidential race or who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, that mm-hmm. sort of thing that truly engages people. So it's a nice, like internal, nice internal Rather. communication there, a nice little com- community you're building with your fans. That's awesome. Are you gamifying think, it too? Is it, is it, I, does it have elements of fun and games in there? Rewards? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's one of the big insights that we've had is that by providing advocates with a great experience that they want, which includes fun. I mean, it's one of the things that came up in our research over and over again is that people want to actually enjoy themselves at work and they want to have a good time with the company that they care about. So entertainment, but also they, they want to be very efficient with their time. So We've focused our attention on a senior executive advocates and, and senior technical people. These are really busy folks. Uh, they might have a few minutes a month, really, to, to give to a company they care about. They want to maximize the impact that they have in that time. Um, so our application is designed so that they can do as much advocacy as possible in a short period of time, and then also get feedback about how they've done. So if they've helped to write a guest blog post, how well did it perform? If they've helped with a reference call, did that deal ever close? And if they referred somebody, did, did that person ever do a demo? Um, that kind of feedback is really quite fun and enjoyable for the advocate. We focus on providing that great experience, and in return, advocates do a lot more activity than they normally would. A couple of things there. First of all, you know, audience, you heard it here first. People apparently like to enjoy their work. Mark said it. You heard it. Um, nobody's just turning up anymore. We're all going there to enjoy ourselves. One of the things that I've noticed about something like Snapchat, for example, um, you know, Snapchat is a, a good example of the kind of immediate I want to tell a story yeah. attitude that you, totally. you talked about. The problem with Snapchat is that there are some people that are amazing at telling stories. We, we interviewed Joel Kahn uh, several episodes ago, and he's a great storyteller within Snapchat. Right. As a result, he gets all of the eyes on his account because he's, you know, he's getting thousands of people look at every snap. Um, and the other thing is that the counterpoint to that is that if all you do on Snapchat is just take pictures of your food and then say goodnight to people and then wake up in the morning and say good morning and then take pictures of your food, you suddenly realize that you're never going to be as good as Joel Kong and you stop using it. How do you guard against that? <laughs> It's a great point. I'm reminded by one of, one of our great customers is a company called MuleSoft, and they provide integration software, and their customers are developers. They win when their developers tell stories about how they use MuleSoft to drive greater returns. And in the beginning, they had this sort of challenge. They would say something like, hey, help us write a guest blog post. And a developer would say, would write, literally write a blog post and say, this is a guest blog post. And then maybe have one other line. 
and that was their story. What they learned was that they actually would accept that and say, hey, can we, would you consent to, to an interview with us and we'll help you flesh it out. And so a lot of our customers have learned to help the advocates actually tell their story better. And then in so doing, the advocates actually learn how to tell better stories and can write better uh, posts on their own or shoot better videos on their own. The key thing that they learned at MuleSoft is to accept everything, not to reject it, to say, that's a great start. Why don't we help you? Um, and then try to train and teach the, the person how to tell better stories. And I mean, that's such a great value for the advocate to learn how to do that better. And it's probably one of the reasons why they venture out in the first place. Typically, you know, your introverted developer, you know, is not rushing out to, to write posts. But, uh, you know, using a system like this, they do learn to, to get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. Uh, by the way, little known fact, Bulesoft was actually founded by a guy called Don Quixote. What? Yeah, that's a, that's a donkey joke there, everybody. It, it's, it's taking a while to catch up to you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to let that one sink in. That was, um, great. that was a great dad joke for seven in the morning. There's yeah, thanks. I've been, yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, talking to too many chatbots because chatbots have all just got dad jokes in them. None of them have got any decent jokes. Um, hey, listen, Mark, we could talk about this stuff for ages, but unfortunately, we always have a time limit on these interviews and uh, our time is up for today. So thank you so, so much uh, for joining us on VB Engage. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, too. Yeah, we appreciate it, Mark. Thank you so much, brother. Take care. Have a great day. That was excellent. Great stuff by Mark Organ, CEO of Influitive. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Really appreciate that. And again, uh, if you did not tune in last week, make sure to do that. We had Alan Felice on. We talked about mobile payments and Yo-Yo Wallet and you know how to really think about building loyalty around mobile payments, right? Next week, we are going to talk to Adam Goldstein. Uh, he is the CEO of Hipmunk, which recently got acquired this week by Concur. That's a really, really interesting interview. It was, a, it was really solid. It happened a couple of weeks before the acquisition took place, but uh, definitely, definitely an interesting interview as well. Again, if you enjoy the show, make sure to uh, you know to subscribe to it and give it your honest feedback um, with a rating or review. That's always helpful. We like to see that. And uh, so for this, we'll see you guys next week. For Travis Wright, goodbye. And for Stuart Rogers, it's aloha.